I'd like to invite you to turn to James, James chapter 1. It's at the end of your Bibles, and if you don't have a Bible, we're, we would love for you to take one of the black Bibles that hopefully is in one of the chairs in front of you. We'd love to, you to take this Bible with you. Put your name in it and keep it and use it. If you need to find out where it is, there's two, we have two different ones. There's a thicker one and a thinner one. It's on page 1011 on the thick Bible and page 950 on the thinner Bible. But please take that. If you're not used to listening to sermons, it will help you to follow along. And we're just going to go right through the text this morning. And it begins in verse 18. James chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. Is where we're going to read. We're going to go read through the, to the end of the chapter, though we're going to f- only focus on up till verse 25 this week. We'll read there in just a minute. A month ago or so, I went with four friends. We get together almost every year. We met in the, 19, in the 90s in college, and most of us are pastors, and we gather for annual reunions. We all live in different states, and so we meet in some other state or one of our, our states that we live in, and, and we get together to encourage each other. But something happened this year. We would drive around, and as we drove around, and we would just have conversations, the five of us, and I continually heard something like this. Um, you know, they, I should say, they continually heard something from me. What'd you say? Huh? What was that? Could you, could you say that again? Daniel, you need to get your ears checked. I, I'm serious, Daniel. You need to get your ears checked. We want to see a medical report of your ears checked. You must have something wrong with your ears. I kept on saying, what'd you say? Um, my kids would probably say, yeah, Dad, you do need to listen better. Um, and, and whether I have a hearing problem or not, or well it or whether it's just I'm easily distracted or have a lot on my mind, I'm not sure. And I'm going to probably check that this fall um, and, and probably use that in some other sermon. Um, regardless of what my hearing is physically, and I know there are some in here that have had physical hearing problems and have been helped through different means hearing aids and surgeries. This passage of Scripture says there's another kind of hearing that is essential to our spiritual life and to our salvation, to our spiritual growth and formation. If we're going to grow in maturity and even be saved, we need to hear in a certain kind of way. Are you listening this morning? Not just taking in a little bit. Are you attentive this morning? Will you hear and accept and will you do God's word? That's what this letter is about at this portion of it that we're going to read this morning. James in this letter, has already instructed the church and said, you are going to go through trials, my friends, my brothers and sisters. And God is using all of those difficulties, difficult people and difficult circumstances in your life in order to grow and put the new life that I am doing in you and through you, my children, God's children. If you're a Christian, it's because something has happened to you happened on you. 
Yes, you believed in God, but something happened in you so that you would believe in God, and you now have this new life. If you're a Christian, you have new life in you. And James is concerned that we now examine ourselves and we, we realize how does God bring that new life? Does it, is it just something he does and we just sit back? Or does he do something and he tells us to do something? And he does. This morning in verses 18 through 25, or really through 27, I want to show you three things about our new life. We're only going to look at two of them, of those three, this week. And then the next sermon, I'm going to actually cover the third of the three. But we're going to see these three things. The foundation of our new life and the formation of our new life. And the next sermon is going to be about the examination of our new life. Meaning, do you really have it? Examine yourself. Because there are some people who are fooled into thinking they have it and they do not have it. Here are some tests. But this morning, the foundation and the formation. Let's read it together. I'll read it. You follow along. James 1, verse 18. We begin by seeing the foundation of the new life in verse 18. Of His, that's God, the Father, of His own will, He brought us forth by the word of truth that we would be the kind of first fruits of His creatures. Now he talks about the formation of new life. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, well, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, the law that brings freedom, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. And then verse 26, the examination of the new life. If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his own tongue, his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. This morning I want us to see the foundation of the new life and the formation of the new life as James gives it to us in these verses. Verse 18, you see the foundation of the new life. When I say the foundation, I mean the, 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 that which comes below us and leads to everything else. It's where we get our new life from. And look at verse 18. Of his own will. 
he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. To be a Christian is to be given new life by God, and that's what he is saying in verse 18. You see, there's three things in this verse. God is the author of our new life. The word is his means, and his being a first fruit of him is the result. So who, who is the author of our new life? Well, we see it right here. Of his own will, he brought us forth. He chose for us to give us birth. Literally, this word, he brought us forth, is a birthing term. It is, he brought forth, he, he, when a woman is pregnant and is bearing a child, she brings forth a child. That's the very same language that James is using about what God does for a Christian. If you're a Christian today, it is because God brought you forth. He gave you spiritual life. It's, we call it the new birth. Jesus called it that in John 3. And he's born again from God. You will never even see the kingdom of God or, or enter the kingdom of God. And he described, in John 1, he says, But all those who receive Jesus and believe in his name, he makes them his children. And he makes them his children, and they believe because they were born, not of human flesh or the will of man, like parents. Parents come together in sexual union, and they produce a child, and it's the will of the parents in some ways that brings a child. And so it is with spiritually, it's because of God's will, he brings you forth, and you have life. God is the author of your life. If you... This is so important for you to understand. You might say, man, this Christian life, it's hard doing what God tells me to do, obeying and following God's word. Oh, we need the fact that God causes us to have a life so that we can actually do it. And verse 18 is saying, of his will, he brought you forth. And he's telling us this to say, now I'm going to give you commands, but you need to know you have a foundation God is the author of that foundation, and it's spiritual life that's in you. Not just something you do, it's something that starts to come from the inside out. But you see, he also says, how did I do it? I did it through the word of truth. Or the means is God's word, the Bible. But more specifically in this Bible, what we call the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. When you had it taught to you, and it might have been in church, or it might have been growing up in your home, in a Christian home, and mom and dad just kept telling you the scriptures, telling you what Jesus has done, and what, how you must respond to him. And James is saying, you were brought forth through the gospel, the word of truth, and it brought life. We give the gospel every Sunday, and I'm going to give it now because I believe it brings life to you. You might be struggling all your life saying, is it real? Do I have a relationship with God? What's the purpose of it all? And it sinks home when God gives you life, and he does it through the proclaimed message. And what you may have heard a hundred times, the hundred and first time, God brings it to life in your in your soul. 1 Peter 1.23 says, you were born again, not of perishable seed, 
like your parents bringing you forth. That was perishable seed. But through imperishable, undying life, through the living and abiding word of God. Dear friends, I want you to hear this. This is the good news. And here it is. The good news. The gospel, which is the good news, the word of truth that can make you alive today. And if you're alive today, spiritually, you have the new life, you're gonna sit here and you're gonna go, yes, yes, yes. Oh God, make it more true in my life. Help me to love it more. Help me to share it more. And if you're here this morning and it hasn't brought you the life yet, I pray that it will. Here it is. The good news is that the one and only God, he is holy. He made you in his image for you to know him. But you and I have sinned against him and we have cut ourselves off from him. And yet in his great love, God became a man in Jesus and lived a perfect life, and died on the cross, thus fulfilling the law, and taking on himself the punishment for the sins of all those who would ever accept him and trust in him. He rose from the dead, literally, showing that God accepted Christ's sacrifice that God's wrath against us had been exhausted and removed from us because of Christ. And he now calls us to repent of our sins and to trust in Christ alone for our forgiveness. And if we repent of our sins and if we trust in him, we are born again into a new life, an eternal life with God. Now, my friends, that is good news. James is saying the foundation of your life is that God, the author, made you alive through this good news. He makes you his child now, and he has it for a purpose, a result. Why or what is he doing? Well, look at the text, verse 18. That you might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. God saved you to make you his first fruits. Now, what is that? Well, in Old Testament Israel, God's people would bring their first fruit tithes to the temple in an act of worship to God to say, God, all that I have is actually from you. It is yours. But I give you a first fruits, which is my best, and as a picture that everything, that I give it as a picture to say that you are going to keep your promises and I'm trusting in you. And God says, you're his first fruits when he saves you and starts to change you. You thought of that way? This week, as you go about your day, today, the rest of this day, this holiday weekend, you, if you are a Christian, are the first fruits of God and of his creatures. And he is making you and shaping you to be a holy, prized people. That is, so when, the, when God would say, to, when you're with a bunch of people that don't know God, it's as though God would say, here, I want you to see my first fruits. I'm making them like me. I'm changing them to have a different character, a different attitude, a different way. Look at how I am. You want to learn who I am and who Jesus is? Look at Dan and Jim and Brenda and Mary Jo and Jim and Dwayne and Danny and all of these. Look at them. This is what I'm doing in their life. That's what God says. He's doing. This is the foundation of this new life. 
what, what a great thing and what a heavy thing. What an awesome thing and what a convicting reality. This is, this is no joke. This is, this is for reals. And so I hope you see there is a deep foundation for our new life. God is the author. His word is the means. And the result is to make us his first fruits. We are to be holy. Now, how does that happen? Does that just like, it just happens. Like you, Jesus in your heart, so you pray and ask Jesus in your heart, and boom, you, you have the new life, and it's all different, and everything's changed, and that's all there is to it. No. James is going to say, as he goes forward, he's going to prepare us, and he's going to give us instructions. You see, the new life, when you got saved, God did it all. Now, you responded and had faith, but just like you didn't create your human birth, I had nothing to do when I was born in 1975. It just, I came forward. God, I just was born. It was all, I was passive in the existence. And so it is with, in some ways, our new birth. We respond and believe and trust. But here, he says, there is a formation of the new life. Today is a special day. 17 years ago, my oldest son, Paul, was born. And remember, that was a Sunday morning. We saw him as this little infant. But over the last 17 years, he's grown quite a bit. He, he played the bass guitar this morning. He learned to use his fingers, his ears. He developed, he was formed. Over the years, he, he learned to drive, and he learned to read, and he learned to walk earlier on, and he learned all these things. He was formed, and he made decisions, and he grew, and we told him, you need to breathe, and you need to eat, and you need to do all these things, and he exercised these kinds of things. It's true of all of our lives. We are born, but then we are being formed, and James is concerned that we would be formed spiritually, and we'd make these decisions and here in this, in verses 19 through 25, he says and describes, now here's the formation of the new life. Let's look at it, verse 19. And I want you to see the prominence of God's word. God's word. Just like the word brings us, we're born through his word, the word of truth. Look at verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear we want to know, what does he mean by hear? Hear what? Slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, receiving yourselves. For a man is a hearer of the word and not a doer. He is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. He looks at himself and goes away at once, forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Now, what is James doing in these verses? He's saying, this is the way you're formed into the new life. You were born, God did it. Now you're being formed, he still does it. But he tells you to do certain things. And do you see the presence of God's 
and the prominence of God's word in these verses. Look at it after 18 where he said, you're brought forth by the word. Verse 19, now be quick to listen. Now listen to what? I'm going to say, among other things, the word of God we need to listen to. Verse 21, receive with meekness. What are we to receive with meekness? You see that? The implanted word. Now look at verse 22. But be doers and not hearers only of what? Again, the word. In verse 25, the one who looks at something and he perseveres as a doer. What is he talking about? The perfect law, the law of liberty, which is, I think, the word. The word of God forms us. James says this many times in this passage. And I want to sum says to us, among many other things, listen to the word intently, attentively. And not only listen, but then you need to accept the word with a type of attitude and a preparation. And you need to apply the word. You need to do the word. You need to practice the word, obey the word. So, I summed it up this way, listen, accept, and apply the word. Listen to the word. See verse 19? Interesting, this is a parable, or a proverb, I should say, instructions. Verse 19, know this, my beloved brothers, let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. There's, there's the rhythm that you are to have in your Christian life when it comes down to taking in and putting out in relationships and with this book and with God. You are to be quick to hear, meaning ready, actively engaging to listen to God's word. You are going to listen and you are to be slow to talk, hesitant to speak a lot of words, and you are to be slow to be angry. It's like a proverb he gives to us. All those who are going to grow in maturity, you need to talk less and listen more. It's good advice. Young people, old people, it doesn't matter your age. I know people that will talk, talk, talk and never listen. And they're not young. And there are young people who are listening and are growing wise and it can be the reverse. This will help you in your struggle against anger. Proverbs 29, 20, do you see a man who's hasty with his words? Well, there's more hope for a fool than for him. Proverbs 29, 11, a fool gives full vent to his anger or his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. But I think what James is saying in taking these Proverbs, he does want us to apply this to our relationships. Those who will teach us and talk with us, we're just... We're not quick to, I, I'm just going to spout out whatever I have to think and say, and you need to hear it because my opinion is just better. He's saying, listen, be an active, an attentive listener to God's word. Because he had just been saying in 18, you, you are brought forth to life by his word. And he's going to just say now, receive his word and do his word. Now, listen to his word. Listen to it by reading the word. Listen to it by going to church to hear God's word, to listen to it. Do it on your own.
But listen, listen to the word. I heard this this week. The great talker is rarely a good listener and never is the ear more firmly closed to hearing wisdom when anger takes over in our lives. An angry spirit isn't an attentive person. When anger comes, listening just flies out. And that is true in our relationships, our home, our work, and school. And he says here that the anger of man, that we get anger all worked up. It might be about good things we get worked up about. We hate these injustices. We hate these things that are happening. He says it does not, that anger probably clouds your ears to listen. And it rare, it, it does, if it's an anger that comes from you and not God, it is not an anger that produces God's righteousness and God's work that intends to work in you. Because remember, you're his first fruits. You're to show him off. Be quick to listen. I think ultimately he's saying be quick to listen to God's word rather than have to share your opinions. And watch out because anger is going to creep up because you are still filled with too much of you. And you are going to be angry about the things you care about. Listen. Listen to God's word. Let him calm you down. Anger, anger does not produce the righteousness of God or the godliness that works in us by his grace. So settle down and have attentive ears to the one who can change you. Oh yeah, trials and temptations, which he had been talking about, will come. You will be tempted to be angry at the difficult circumstances and the difficult people that are in your life. And he says, don't be angry to that. Instead, turn your ears, turn your ears and quickly listen to what God has to say, it can change everything. It's that that produces the righteousness of God in you and forms the new life in you. True believers, if you are truly a Christian and His Spirit has worked in you, you will listen to the Word of God. If you, say, if you, if you do not listen to the Word of God, you can't say you're a Christian. True believers ask God to open their ears more. They wisely go to him and say, God, I need to hear more. I need to hear what you have to say. I have a hard time understanding it. And they go to others and help get help. So we are formed into the new life by listening to God's word with an attentive heart. Oh, let us be a church. Let us be a people that are quick to listen in an attitude of eagerness focus and attentiveness and not quick to just jump at our own opinions and have to share our angry thoughts with others. But secondly, we see in this formation of the new life, not only do we listen to the word, we accept the word of God, accept it. Look at verse 21. This is such an important verse. If you just anchor into this verse, verse 21, it will, we need to, we need to eat this word let it digest in our hearts and let it give us nourishment. Therefore, he says, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. There's a lot in this verse. He's saying, accept the word of God and prepare to accept it. Put away all filthiness and rampant speech. Prepare your heart. 
saying, prepare it. All this, this moral filthiness. You go through the week and our hearts are just clinging to other things that are not honoring to God, including sinful anger. He says, get rid of it. How do we get rid of it? We take it to God and say, God, forgive me. I turn from it with your help. Please forgive me. You turn from lustful thoughts, looking at pornography, preparing ourselves so foolishly on Saturday nights where we stay up really late and fill ourselves with so much other stuff that we have no appetite on Sunday morning for anything spiritual because we're full on the world. And he says, put away filthiness and all rampant wickedness in order to do something so good for your soul that will lead to growth. He says, and receive with meekness. That idea of receive is to readily accept. And he's saying, readily accept with meekness. And what, what does he say? What's the object of that? The implanted word. So you're a Christian. God implanted his word in your life. That's the new birth. You're being born Again, that's verse 18. He implants that life into you through the gospel. You believe, you're changed. You say, I can't believe it. I know he loves me. I didn't before, but he does. I trust him now. I didn't before. That's implanted word in there. He's now saying that's in you, and it's going to be taught to you over and over again. You're supposed to listen. Now receive it. Accept it constantly. And he says, prepare yourself for it and do it with an attitude. And that's the attitude of meekness. The idea of humility. I think what he means is you who've received God's word and it changed your life, you are to humbly, regularly prepare your heart, turn away from filthiness that you're still prone to go after, worldliness, the things of this world that would turn you away to Jesus that is not loving God and others and are in violation of God's law. It could be with your words, your attitude, your eyes, whatever it is, and receive all the time, with meekness, this word. What does he mean by with meekness? I think it means we are to come to church on Sundays. We are to go to church on Wednesday nights. We are to get up every day and pick up this book and have maybe have a reading plan and maybe read a chapter a day, ask God to help us. And what, is it, what would it look like to receive this word with meekness, the implanted word? I think it means, among other things, it means to have a spirit and attitude that says, God, right now I'm committed to obeying whatever you tell me here. God, if I don't like what I read here, I'm going re- to re- realize that I'm the problem, not this book. And I need to change my thoughts and my attitudes and my worldview. It means I need to be ready to change my beliefs if your word tells me something. I, I have to come into this thinking that I'm not right and you're right and I need you to correct me. I need to come and realize this book isn't here to flatter me but to form me into your image. I, need to, I will listen and learn. I'm not going to come to you, God, with knowing, thinking that I am a know-it-all or figured it out. I'm going to accept what you give me and what other teachers in my life who bring the word of God to me, I want to listen and I want to accept it and I want to be changed. I want to be ready to obey. I don't trust myself to determine what's best for me, but I trust you, God. That's what receiving the word with meekness. And notice what he says here. He says, it's at work in you. It's the one, this, this word 
is able to save your souls. Do you know that the Sunday after Sunday preaching of God's word is saving your soul? You say, no, I got saved when I was 12. No, when I was 22, I went forward and God changed my life and that's when I got saved. Yes, that's true in one sense. Praise God, that's when you were justified and, and born again to a new life. But the way James talks about it and other passages talk about it, there is, I was saved and I will be saved when Christ returns and he, he justifies us based on what, we've, what he did for us. But there is a sense in which he is saving us and he did it once for all, but he is preserving us to the end, preserving our faith. And James says it, it is able to save your souls, you receiving the implanted word. James is concerned that, that you make a profession of faith, but you're not real. And we're going to see this in the next sermon. You're, you're, you profess that you're Christian, but you're not real, and it's evident by your life, your living. And he's saying, but to those who receive with meekness the word, it saves your soul. It does these things. It, it, it's at work in believers because it keeps you trusting in him as you see his character and his promises. It keeps you from being hardened by the deceitfulness of sin that will come and just turn you away in your marriage or turn you away in believing in his goodness when things are hard or trusting in him that he's the only true good when things are great and you're, you're prone to just love your goods and your possessions and your happy life. The word gives us faith in his promises and keeps us trusting in. The word convicts us of our sin. It admonishes us. It feeds and warns us and enlivens us. It revives our heart. It does an ongoing from now to the time we die to become more and more alive with his life in us. That's the way it kind of saves our soul. What kind of Christianity would it be where you just get an inoculation, of spiritual inoculation when you... Pray to prayer and ask Jesus in your heart. And then live to kind of just your own kind of natural life to the rest of your days. And then just glad that right before you die, you, you prayed, had prayed that prayer a long time ago. What kind of religion, what kind of Christianity is that? What kind of power does that show of God that creates a first fruits in us? It's nothing. It's, it's a false religion. Real religion, real faith in God. Bring life through his word day by day, year after year. Through the glorious monotony of Sunday after Sunday. The glorious monotony of day after day reading and sometimes not getting anything out of it, but going back and back because you're committed. God, I want to meekly receive the implanted word that is able to save my soul, not because I'm fearful and I'm trying to earn my salvation because I might go to hell. No, but because I am alive and I want my faith to continue to grow and I want to love you and I want to obey you. And I can't do any of those things without the implanted word growing and me receiving it meekly. It is why Sunday after Sunday you come and hear sometimes sermons that just don't land on your heart that powerfully. But God is still doing something. Do not underestimate the value of week after week glorious monotony of Sunday worship and hearing God's word. I say it's a monotony. It's boom every Sunday after Sunday. I look back at the... 20 years of growing up in my parents' home and so thankful for being forced to go to church. 
I didn't have any choice. They, they made me go. I, I wanted to go most of the time, or I would, didn't admit that I didn't want to, but, but God used it in my life. Is, is it good enough? No, not if there isn't a real change in our lives, but God used it to grow and to form, and I pray he's doing that to you even when you don't, aren't perceptible of it. And that's why I say, whether you're here or watching online or watch later, prioritize the ministry, the gathering, the preaching of God's word. It's, it's bigger than the sum of its parts. God's doing a work in our lives through the word being preached. There is usually, there, I hope, Lord willing, Sunday after Sunday, whether it be me or the elders of this church, we are praying and preparing and asking God to help us minister his word through you. We are his mailmen delivering his mail to you. And God, may God use the, this word. So he says, accept it meekly. Because you, he says, receive it. It is bring life to you. Is the new life growing in you? Is it changing your character? Are you a little different? Is, are you more self-controlled with your temper and your words? Are you growing? Is, is there bitterness still in your life? Or have, have you learned to forgive? Is your, are your desires shaping differently? Where yes, you still have some bad desires. You want things that you shouldn't want. But more and more you're seeing God changing your wanter to want him. Are you attentive and a receptive listener to God's word, receiving it humbly, meekly? The last thing he says in verses 22 through 25, and we won't spend as much time right now, we're going to dip into this next sermon. But he says, apply the word, do the word, do the word. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he is like. Now, what, I'm, I'm going I'm to actually take this in the next sermon. We're going to go through this point and move into the section on examining ourselves. But I just want to say this in conclusion. The new life that has worked in us through the new birth, that foundation of listening and accepting will means that we want to apply God's word. If you are really accepting God's word and have received him, a mark is that you're going to start doing it. Not doing it, I don't like this term, just do it. That can just be atheistic. It's just like, just do it. That's Christianity. No, it's do it knowing he did it, but I trust in him and I'm going to obey it whether I feel like it or not at the moment. It's possible for you and I to be Bible readers, memorizers of Scripture, sermon note takers, Christian podcast listeners, sermon listeners on your commutes or on your walks or your jogs, listening to Christian books, going to church every Sunday, praying, filling out Bible reading plans and marking them off and reading the Bible year after year, and not be a doer of the word. Do not think that because you pray to prayer that you have this new life in Christ. Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father 
who is in heaven. It is possible for you to be a faithful Bible reader and all you're doing is merely moving a bookmark in your Bible and God's not changing you. Are you listening? Are you accepting? Are you applying? He says, the one who looks into God's word intently and perseveres. God's, he calls it the law of liberty. The law that brings us freedom. God's word is not about bondage. It's about freedom. It's about living in a free life in him. The one who looks into him. That idea of stooping down, peering in, caring what God's word says. Being meekly attentive. He says he is not self-deceived. Frankly, we're going to see this next time. The person that hears God's word and just goes out and lives like he wants to. He's like a person looks in a mirror to, because he knows he needs to get ready for the day. And he looks and he says, okay, my hair's messed up. I need to shave or I need to put makeup on or I need to do all these things. And then totally forgets about it and walks away. And thinks, I'm, I'm perfect. I'm ready for the day. I'm ready to display myself to the world. And he says, they're self-deceived. If you think that you're a Christian and you go and you hear, but, but those that do, they are blessed in their doing. The hearer only is like a person looking in this mirror, staring intently, doing nothing about it. You know, we can be easy, easily self-deceived. We need to have this category in our lives. We could love sermons, but they don't make any impact. You might say, good sermon, pastor. It doesn't mean anything unless we figure out what, what do I need to do differently? What is God doing? How is he shaping my heart? If you say you love Jesus, but you don't obey his word, what good is it? Maybe this morning or another morning, you're hearing a sermon that are convicted of the holiness of God on a Sunday, but that night... You give in to sexual immorality through pornography or lust. You're moved by the love of God on a Sunday morning to show God's love to one another, but you don't forgive as he forgave you. you bitter, you're bitter and you hold on to it. You, you, show, you know you should love and control your tongue and you were convicted on Sunday, but you continue to gossip and complain. And he's saying, oh, watch out for self-deception. Put away all filthiness. And rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word. Self-deception that we could all feel really good about a sermon like a sermon and not apply it. That would be what Satan would love for us to do. Oh, but let us wake up. God cannot be deceived, though we are. Yet God is so good. His grace is enough to open your eyes this morning. And that we can see the sin that stands near us and is over us and in us. And yet we see God's grace and mercy and his forgiveness that can change sinners like you and me. It is Sunday after Sunday, the glorious monotony of it, we are going to continue to repent of our sins and ask God to help us be doers of the word and not hearers only. May God help us. To do so. May God help us to receive with meekness the implanted word, the word that brought us forth to life and is changing us into 
his first fruits. May we receive it with meekness. And if you haven't enjoyed the fact that your soul has been saved, you can do that today. Call on the Lord. Look to him. Trust in him to be saved. I'm going to call the worship team to come up.